Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. So many questions, not enough answers. So many questions and not enough answers. Want me to say it again? The Admiral Mark Norman case. Evidence presented to the Crown by the defense included interviews Marie Hannon, the lead lawyer for the Admiral, had with three former conservative cabinet ministers, as well as former staff members in the government of Stephen Harper. Jason Kenney, Aaron O'Toole, and Peter McKay are the former federal ministers. None of the ministers were interviewed by the RCMP in their initial investigation of Admiral Norman. Mr. McKay is a former minister of uh, justice and attorney general and the former minister of national defense, and he joins us on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Mr. McKay, thank you very much for taking the time. Good afternoon, Roy. It's great to be back on your show. How's wow. everybody and everything in Hamilton? We're doing great. Right across the country. We're glad you're with us because there are questions that need to be answered here. And, and you're just the man to do it. You're, you're a former prosecutor, federal attorney general. Um, were you surprised the charge against Admiral Norman was dropped this far into the case over new information? And as you know... It said information provided by you and your former federal cabinet colleagues to Marie Hannon may have been what did it. It may have been, Roy, but to answer your question directly, was I surprised? Not really. I was surprised at the way that the entire affair rolled out, but I was very suspect from the beginning that this trial would ever come about because of its proximity to the election and because of the political hangover that existed from the outset, I've been going back to November, December of 2015 when the government came to office and they started essentially trying to overturn everything the previous government had did, including this important Navy procurement to bring about uh, a replenishment ship, a, a ship that was able to refuel our, our ships at sea. And early on they decided that they were going to try to do that, to roll it back and, and uh, so there was a political element to that at the very beginning. And then when the story leaked and they had to recalibrate and, and go along with the contract, they were looking for somebody to blame this on for the, the bad publicity that they got in those early days. And I think that that is the origin of the entire persecution as opposed to prosecution is how I would describe it of Mark Norman. I worked closely with him as you would expect, in the Department of National Defense. I chaired the National Security Committee, so I had regular contact with him. And he was not only well-informed and professional and patriotic, but he was very honest and full of integrity, and he would speak truth to power. And again, I don't think that goes over very well in the current government. And when they wanted to make an example of somebody, who better to put a chill over the entire public service than to go after somebody like Mark Norman. You know, there was a visceral connection among Canadians with Admiral Norman. People who perhaps hadn't heard his name before learned more about the story and felt, and I heard it on the air, increasingly that here was a petty and vindictive attack on a man who had served this nation extremely well, and the attack was completely undeserved, and my question for you is, another question I have for you, should the RCMP have spoken to you and your former cabinet colleagues, are you surprised that they didn't um, during their investigation of Admiral Norman? And do you think their conclusion about the Admiral might have been significantly different had the RCMP spoken with you during the investigation? Well, the short answer is yes, and I should qualify by saying 
that they did speak to me, but on a very narrow issue of a single email exchange that I had with Mark Norman while still in government. But they didn't come and see me. They didn't probe any further than that particular narrow issue. And it is surprising that they didn't speak to other members of the Conservative government, including Jason Kenney, now Premier Kenney, members of the, the Conservative staff that would have been involved in procurement and a lot of the work that we were doing at that time as it pertained to this particular shipbuilding contract that went to Davies. And it, it may have led them to perhaps conclude that there wasn't sufficient grounds in the first place, although it's a, a different threshold, a, a lower threshold. But the Crown obviously came to the conclusion that they were not going to be able to secure a conviction and stayed the charge, which means it cannot be reinstituted, they cannot bring the charge back. But I, I question again very much, and I would add to your descriptive words, malice and venal, and an attempt to somehow make an example of a person they felt had leaked information and embarrassed them. And that, of course, is not the motive for a criminal charge. And their motive is, is clearly now more suspect than Mark Norman's, because what would he have ever gained from, from doing this had he done it? Mm -hmm. Nothing. It was all intended, Roy, as you know, to ensure that the men and women in uniform had sufficient equipment, that Canada was able to contribute internationally, that our ships could take part in important missions and guard our coastline. That was Mark Norman's intention then, as it would be now. Without a supply ship, we're just a coastal service. That's right, and even that is sometimes in question if we can't service those ships at sea, because it isn't just fuel, of course, it's other provisions. And uh, we were in a bind because the two ships, the HMCS Protector and Preserver, were both deemed unserviceable. One caught fire, and the other simply was beyond its, its repair and best before date. And so there was a real urgency, which is why it was an unusual uh, process that we went through, a sole source contract, but we'd also just completed the National Shipbuilding Procurement Strategy and awarded two enormous contracts to C-SPAN on the West Coast and Irving on the East Coast, and so those shipyards were working at capacity, and the proposal that had come from Davy was the right one. And by the way, uh, Admiral Norman, in, in selecting and, and being part of that uh, decision, was correct. The ship came in on time, on budget, which is unheard of. Probably in the last 50 years, we've never seen such a successful procurement. Peter, can you think of something that you might have said to uh, Ms. Hennon that uh, Mr. Kenny or Mr. O'Toole may have said that swung this case? Well, I I've, I've thought a lot about that over the last uh, number of days. One possibility, and again, I'm, I'm not entirely convinced that it was anything I or, or Jason or anyone else said, in particular, I think it may have just been the preponderance of, of evidence that they didn't have uh, to try to prove the charge, including the necessary requisite mens rea, that is to suggest that there had to be some motive that they could prove beyond the act of the information that would have proved that Mark Norman would have benefited somehow, which he wouldn't. But to answer your question, the possibility that... Mark Norman would have been acting with government authority and would have had every reason to be in communication with Davy and would have, again, been authorized with cabinet authority given his close association with that file. There's also another theory that I'll share with you briefly, and that is that when the, the leaks first emerged, 
And there's a very interesting sort of mysterious figure named James Cudmore, who was a CBC reporter, now working inside this liberal government. He was apparently the recipient of the leak who first made it public. Well, there were 72 people that had the information. They've since charged somebody else with the same leak. I think that when the information itself first went public, Mark Norman didn't have that particular information and wasn't in the room when the discussion took place. But, you know, to the start of your show, the RCMP should have and could have availed themselves of a lot more information that was available. And I say it was available because the defense counsel went out and did their due diligence and spoke to people like myself and others and, and did what one would expect the RCMP to have done in a thorough investigation. So there's still questions, as you, you pointed out. There's questions as to motive, how this uh, case was handled. The disclosures were awful, and I think that that also had a lot to do with why the Crown's case collapsed. And what was in that mysterious 60-page document that came from the PCO, Privy Council Clerk Michael Warnick, wrote this and handed it over to the Prime Minister, all 60 pages blacked out when it was disclosed. Yeah, that was certainly a, a moment, wasn't it? Uh, and what concerns many people, I, I believe certainly concerns me, is that much of what goes on in in the legal community and in the courts in this country is based on precedent. And uh, do I have a, I'm not a lawyer, so I, I'm just sort of throwing the line out here. Do, do I have a reason to be concerned? Not personally, but... I think you do. We've, we've seen instances now of political interference, and obviously the SNC-Lavalin case is still smoldering, and evidence of direct interference, potential obstruction of justice, where there was pressure being brought to bear to change the decision of the Attorney General, but more concerning was the, the effort to change the mind of the Director of Public Prosecutions. Our government put more distance between the political branch of government and the prosecutorial branch of the Justice Department by creating this separate office. And not all provinces have that. Our province of Nova Scotia has it, Quebec, I believe, and, and possibly one other. And that is of concern, that a citizen, and in this case, Mark Norman, in spite of his, his title and achievements and rank in the Canadian forces, is a private citizen, and the entire weight of the justice system, the resources of the government, were brought down upon him. The potential for collusion between the Privy Council Office, which is the bureaucratic arm of the Prime Minister's office, the judge in the case singled that out as questionable between the strategy that was happening, and if in SNC you have a well-connected, well-funded company where the Prime Minister's office was deeply involved in trying to get a better deal for them through this deferred prosecution. That really goes to the underpinnings of our entire system. And when I hear the spokesperson for the Chinese Foreign Ministry stand up and start making moral equivalencies and comparing their system to ours, we're in real trouble. When the OECD singles Canada out as a country that they're watching, Transparency International, the World Bank, and the trouble that Bombardier may now be in. This goes to fundamentals of rule of law, the way that our prosecution service has to work. Just like judges, politicians shouldn't be calling prosecutors or attorneys general on these cases that are before the courts. 
And so a lot of damage and I think much tarnish has occurred yeah, in Peter, the last I'd, number of years. I'd actually forgotten about the OECD situation. You're absolutely correct. And, and the World Bank uh, put us on a, on a watch. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Good talking to you again. My pleasure, Roy. Always. All, All the, the best. best. Peter McKay, former Attorney General and Minister of Justice in Canada and the uh, Minister of National Defense. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.